Welcome to the Tokenomics DAO podcast, where we explore everything tokenomics related, ranging from deep dives on the tokenomics of the newest protocol to demystifying the nuance of building a successful token ecosystem. Our goal is to bring awareness to the importance of tokenomics and the crucial role it plays in defining the success of a protocol, helping make tokenomics relevant for everyone, builders and investors alike. I'm your host, Flo, joined by my co-hosts, Jason and or Lovis. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hi, everyone. Um, episode 22 of the Tokenomics Style podcast. And we have a very special guest, um, Alexa Mill. Did I pronounce that right? I hope. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, she's... Yeah, she's um, the founder of um, WACEO, which is also a DAO, and she lives in Belgrade. I'm currently yeah. in Leipzig in Germany, and Flo is in Sydney. Um, yeah, and I we, we, we connected last week, and I just thought um, after speaking to Alexa, that it would be really great to get her on the show and she could share a bit of what she's doing. I think it's super valuable work. Um, and yeah, and that we can all learn a little bit more about the space that she's in. Um, she's, she does a lot of work in compliance at the same time, trying to keep, make sure that all the DAOs can stay as decentralized as possible. So um, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome Alexa. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us a bit about um, yourself, how you got into the space and um, yeah, then maybe also about your project that you're working on. Sure. So when I finished law, I was like, well, I cannot actually you know, stay in office and work from office, nine to five jobs. So I started looking into working online and actually from there on, I built my career in tech startups uh, in operational roles, and the last one was a fintech. And when I was looking for a change, I kind of like literally accidentally um, got into DAO. So my Web3 journey actually started through into a DAO and where I aided building up um, operations and the governance. And that was my my first contact with DAOs, with the centralized industry as a whole. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> this is a place for me to be and stay. And from there on, I worked a lot and upskilled myself, myself on DAOs, understanding the industry, the legal and compliance um, side, and the regulatory challenges the industry generally facing. And uh, soon enough, I also joined uh, the CM. Initially, I joined as a, as a head of ops, and um, where I helped build up like the internal governance. And a few months later, I, I took on the the managing role. Um, the CEO is a DAO focused nonprofit that um, that provides blockchain based projects for with framework for compliance, legality, risk management, and prevention. We are an environment in which blockchain-based projects can interact with traditional world service providers in a centralized manner, compliantly, while maintaining a significant level of decentralization. We do that by providing projects with legal representation 
meaning that um, when it comes to interaction with traditional world, um, we act as a legal proxy of the projects where we ensure that with that way, the projects are able to, re to receive services, interact in, in compliantly while staying uh, decentralized. Uh, we also help projects by doing legal and business assessments where we understand what are the potential risk associ risks associated with the projects and based on that, give recommendation on best practices, how to mitigate those, uh, those risks. Um, Sounds like, whoa, man, when I hear that, right, I feel like mm -hmm. um, it's super important what you're doing, but how do you stay on top of all the, the, the different jurisdictions, right? Like, and, and I, I, I'm not a lawyer at all, right? But I just can only imagine if there's a DAO that's, I don't know, where is it? First of all, like, where is it based? And what's and your expertise? Right, where do you even get yeah. the expertise for this? Yeah, so I mean, we as a team, we, I mean, we stay on top of regulations and what's happening, right? Like, I mean, on a daily basis, I literally follow what's happening in which country around the world when it comes to crypto regulations, what are the changes, what the updates are, etc. right? But what we do at the series, like, we have that traditional law expertise, but we're all people who, who moved to Web3, like, you know, some time ago. And uh, we do like that high level assessment when you understand what are the, where we understand like what are the issues of the decentralized environment and how traditional law sees it. And based on that, for example, we give um, recommendation on which jurisdiction to incorporate in. But then, like, you know, but then we actually work with local tradition, with local service providers, right? So either like law offices, tax offices, whatever, right? Like in order to, to incorporate the project, right? And they also there, they do their own internal assessment of the project before they move forward with the, with the jurisdiction, with the, sorry, with the incorporation. So basically, and um, we work with them because not many service providers actually understand what the projects are about, right? So you have to educate them yeah. on the project, right? Like on how the community works, on how decentralized organization works. And uh, in that sense, it's a collaborative work, right? So we don't need to know like, you know, each and every, um, you know, regulation of every jurisdiction in the world, right? So. What we do is we uh, we find people, we find providers that are capable of um, of catering to the needs of the DAO. So I'm just assuming here, but does that mean you have like in a few key jurisdictions you've got partners in those areas that you've worked with before, yeah. and they kind of yeah. keep you abreast of changes and you. Yeah, you li liaise with both sides, like with the DAO as well as the, let's say, the traditional legal framework. Yeah, I mean, like legal when teams. we, yeah, when we have a partner that we're already working with, like on a certain project, of course, like, and there is like a that like feedback loop, right? Like in that relationship, right, where we update each other if there are any changes. 
However, on a more general level, right, it's more out to, to be honest, like a personal education on what's happening in the field, because after all, that's that's not our nation. That's what we that's what we do. Mm. So then if I came to you, then let's go through this maybe with an example, right? And I yeah, said sure. I had this great DAO called the tokenomics DAO. And I wanted to incorporate it. I'm great about like, great things about it. <laughs> so sorry about that. Yeah. Um, so like how how what what would I how would you decide where to incorporate it? What would you need to know from me? What are like the things that you go through to to decide what your jurisdiction will be best? Um, do you also look into potential tokens and maybe maybe we'll get to the security side of that later? But yeah, what are kind of the things by which you would decide where where this would happen? So basically what we would do, we would ask you to share with us all the documents you have about the project, right? So white paper, light paper, uh, decks, like what basically any documents you, you have that would help us understand the project in depth. Right, so then we would look at your at your website. We would look at your community governance pages, and based on that, uh, do do an assessment. Right, so where we would understand, for example, how centralized or decentralized you are, whether you have some, uh, whether I mean, we had cases where they were missing, like the dogs missing, like some days, just basic like website policies, right, or like overall what is the communication with the with the community um like what policies you have or you don't have or you might be missing or we will build out some policies that we see that that you should that you should have right so then we will look at the token and understand whether the token can be regarded as a utility or a security and in that sense, like we could also potentially advise what you could do in order to aid, to add certain utilities to the token again to move away from that from that being regarded as a as a securities risk. Then um, we will look where your team is at, right? Like where where is the majority of your community of your investors, right? So we will take like a really um, like you know look at everything that you have like both internally and publicly assess that and build out uh, a report that would outline um, all the all the potential risks so for example if um, if there if we see that <clears throat> sorry if you know that uh, there is a lack of transparency towards uh, towards the community that is something that we would uh, outline if um, the project, if we see that the project is uh, is centralized, then we would also outline that and help you build out like a decentralized governance uh, roadmap, right? For example, in terms of like the voting mechanism, right? So we would also assess the proposals that you that you had posted for your community. So we would outline that, and you would receive like a very long report. Right. And um, but before sorry, but before you get that report, like we would have um, like work sessions with you, like with the team, right? Like in whole is with the community, of course. And um, it's a very, very collaborative process and work. And later on, when you get that report, we would present that to you, um, have you like answer any questions you may have, and then schedule a follow-up call when you had some time to go through that report and then decide the next steps. For example, depending on the project, right? So what the project is about, what the project wants to accomplish, 
what uh, your what are your short term, long term, mid term goals. So all based on that, we assess which jurisdiction is the best applicable, right? So currently, we don't have many jurisdictions that are that are crypto friendly and the most favorable. So the, the list is not is not long, right? So can you give us some that, um, yeah. who's at the some, top? Some some who's like a top five, top three. <laughs> oh, like to be Bell, honest, Bell, like that's a question. <laughs> I really dislike. <laughs> because, like you know, the first thing that we, when we get okay, not call, China, <laughs> not China, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like it really depends, right? So, like Dubai is right, like the hub, right? Like zero tax, like you know, zero taxes at least for now, right? And uh, like it's uh, so many businesses are getting incorporated there. And then, um, for example, Cyprus, um, we had a we had a project that got incorporated today as a, as a crypto fund, right? So then, for example, Swiss Foundation is um, is quite popular to get incorporated um, as a as a DAO there, since they have they're actually quite crypto friendly and quite crypto progressive. Um, then, um, like the for example the. Cayman Island are quite popular, um, but the problem is they get like blacklisted quite often, <laughs> so they might not be the best option to go. But why? <laughs> then, uh, because they don't have like really strict AML requirements, so like they keep you know being uh, like the they, I think like they were put like second or third time on on like on the blacklist because like the AML requirements are just low. Right, and it doesn't sit mm. well with the US and, and the US in the EU. Like, so they kind of like you know put them there, then they do something there, they move them, they're put back on. So then uh the British Virgin Islands are quite popular um to get incorporated there. Um then of course, like now this in the states such as um Wyoming and uh, and the Marshall Islands, right? Because they're they're recognized houses legal entities and then i heard many uh projects are actually not getting incorporated in panama because they recognize those but um i'm not sure how crypto friendly they are to be honest in that i mean they they made bitcoin like legal tender and uh legalized those but um i'm just uh concerned like you know how you know how the because you also have to look at international laws, right? Because if you're a project that wants to go to work globally, right? So you have to have to look at international laws of the country and how they actually agree with other countries and whether they have restrictions in doing into certain business. So what else? I mean, I think like those are like the main jurisdictions where people look into to incorporate their DAOs and so i'm a bit biased i'm not uh, i'm not recommending any like you know like yeah, yeah. disclaimer no, no, this I, is I'm not sorry. a legal advice <laughs> generally for this podcast right this is no legal advice. yes yeah. <laughs> yeah we're just trying to regardless find out, who we have um, on <laughs> yeah but i'm singaporean and flows mm -hmm. lived in singapore that's where we've met we met actually I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on Singapore as a jurisdiction. 
Yeah, I mean, it's also it's also quite popular to get incorporated. But like what I'm hearing is actually like there's been pressure like from uh, from outside to kind of like make the laws strict. So we'll see how how that will fly because um, like there is I mean Dubai has super super favorable regulations when it comes to when it comes to crypto and blockchain related businesses. And um, I'm quite curious how the zero taxes are actually going to play out longer term because mm. there's like too much money in crypto to tax at zero. So, mm. but like, it really depends, right? Like on the project, right? Like in what the project wants to do. I like, um, we always get that first question, right? Like even in the email or when we get on a call, like, you know, where should I incorporate? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. you have to look at your projects, see what your project want, like is doing, like what, you know, have like a really, you know, take a deeper dive and understand the project really well. And based on that, give a recommendation on the jurisdiction because um, there is no one solution fits them all because you have to think long-term, you have to think, like what the international laws of the country, what the restrictions are, how that country is actually looking at crypto, right? So there are countries that um, now have a few regulations, but you can actually uh, like see online what those uh, what those countries doing in terms of crypto, right? So are they looking to be more strict, right? Are they looking to build friendly crypto friendly regulations, right? So you have to take that into consideration as well before moving forward with uh with the incorporation and and giving recommendation on that. For example, like Malta, right? So Malta was a super favorable country for exchanges, right? But now it's really difficult to get the, to get the license there. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it really depends on, you know, you have to have like a good look and understand everything. And then, uh, so I wouldn't really know when they're say, whether Singapore, you know, is, uh, you know, is good or bad. It, it's good for some project, but not really good for some others. And so, but like, so, and, like again, back to that DAO, right? So when a DAO mm -hmm. comes to you, what would be the, the main driver for making that decision? Would it be who they do mm -hmm. business with? And since we're like decentralized, right? Why would we need to incorporate it all? Um, right? Yeah. Like, so can you maybe walk through that. Yeah, of course. So yeah, that is like a huge DAO trap, right? So DAOs are, right? So we can say really that they are not seen as legal entities generally worldwide. So when you don't uh, when you don't have uh, something defined by the law, right? So you look at something that is closest to it. And in the DAO case, that's a general partnership. General partnership is a business arrangement between two or more people that equally share profits, losses, and all liabilities. Meaning that everyone involved is um, is responsible. It has unlimited liabilities with their personal assets. For example, if um, if DAO commits and illicit activities, everyone in that DAO can be uh, can be liable with their personal assets. If DAO activities fall under regulated activities but does not have necessary licenses or has not gone through the process, 
um, it uh, like the the members of the DAO can be can be uh, liable, right? Like and accused of taking part in those criminal activities, right? Like with nothing else, just the tax, just the tax issues. So the reason why many, you know, which is actually in my honest opinion, a good move, incorporate DAO because it helps you remove those liabilities from individuals, right? So you remove liabilities from the from the uh, developers, you remove liabilities from uh, for your from your community members, from your investors, right? And I do believe that the project founders are the ones responsible that need to take necessary steps in order to protect the project as much as possible, right? As you need to take all, all measures that you can in order to protect like the technical side of the project, right? So someone cannot steal your funds. In the same way, you need to protect it legally so you and your community are not liable. On the other side, like you, like the DAOs are generally incorporated in as LLCs, right? So what happened there is um, like when you when you do that, then the like who who who's like where is like where are the assets now? Who who is the owner of the assets, right? So in that case, actually the incorporated entity becomes the owner of the assets. And the CEO of that entity actually becomes the owner. And in that sense, the DAO members lose ownership of their assets and they cannot get registered as shareholders because in that sense, they would be those would be seen as securities. So it's quite difficult sometimes to balance right then you always have to kind of uh, when you get incorporated right I mean you assume there is a trust like from the community towards the towards the founder and the like the developers right and the developer like the founder the founders are actually honest about the project and their intentions so um, you kind of do that on the on that trust basis but and that is um, like it's uh, it's always tricky, right? To give appropriate answer whether you should not or you should incorporate your DAO. You should because the longer term consequences can be quite serious, right? Like in terms of um, tax, right? So you don't want to play with taxes, yeah. right? Like in terms of potential legal liabilities, um, you need to be protected, right? Because you can never know, like. Um, are there any bad, bad actors within your DAO, right? Like even within the team that is um, that is helping um, the operations of the DAO and like being like the DAO representatives, the ones holding the keys to the, to the funds. So in that sense, we do recommend, recommend incorporation as a, as a way to mitigate those, uh, those risks. But how would that help but if I, the funds were held like in a, in a multi-sig that... The corporation doesn't mm -hmm. really have access to right because it it would still be among individuals yeah that's that is true right but like the problem is like you know what is the 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 legal contract that you have with those people right so yeah. that like those are the things that i think like many uh are just not aware of that you really have to look into those details and even if you have an entity, right? So if you start operating, if you start acting as a centralized entity, you cannot be seen as a DAO anymore. So the entity should be there 
to limit those liabilities. But the question is, should you use that entity to sign contracts, do payments, et cetera, et cetera? Because if you do so, you're not a decentralized project anymore. You are a blockchain related business that has yeah, yeah. a community on chain, but you're not a decentralized organization anymore. So what also needs to happen is that, that even though you have an entity fund, you have it, right? So you have it there for protection, but you shouldn't use it. I mean, you shouldn't, right? Again, not to do, not to legal advice disclaimer, right? Like if you want to keep, if you want to keep that decentralization on a higher level, since you still need to act, right? So your actions have to be in the nature of decentralized inter- industry, like in decentralized manner, not just of a not of a centralized environment. So. I think like those are the many challenges, like there are many challenges with DAOs and especially for founders, like to navigate the, you know, the, the regulations and the lack, the lack of same. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Yeah. So how does the token come into play? Like what's the, what are the thoughts there? So let's say we've got the, we've got the DAO thing sorted out. You got the DAO incorporated. Mm -hmm. Then I guess I assume launching or adding a token, that's like a whole different story, a whole nother thing that you need to go through, right? Because then it's somehow not just a an incorporation, but you're also mm-hmm. becoming somewhat, not really like a, but but somewhat like a publicly traded company, right? Yeah, I mean, like most of the DAOs have tokens, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, right so and like when we do the assessment right so when we think of our corporations incorporation right like so of course we look at the token and that is something like the you know very important element of the of the project and of our assessment right so in that sense like what matters for the token what we are what we look at is whether it, uh, it's a utility token or it can be regarded as a security, right? So if, if it's regarded as security, right, then that triggers a whole set of, of different regulations, right? Like, and as you know, SEC in the US is extremely strict when it comes to securities, right? And can be actually quite limiting for US uh, for US based investors, right? Like, and if you look what's what's happening with exchanges right now, Right, um, like many are being accused that they were trading securities, Coinbase, but to be yeah. honest, yeah, Coinbase and uh, I think like also Binance had this had the same issue, right? Mm. And um, and the problem with securities is just uh, like the how it test is just not it's too broad, and basically almost any ICO that has ever been done existed or that's going to happen can be regarded as a security, right? So I think like, you know, that is like additional layer of, uh, of challenges like DAOs need to need to navigate and uh, while building their project and while building their economics and uh, unless they really want to go into securities and they're like, you know, being aware of it, they really need to, um, uh, they need to pay attention, right? Like, and uh, think of additional utilities of the token that can remove them, like move them away further from the from this being treated as a securities. <clears throat> okay, so maybe can you like walk us through that 
that process, right? So the you mentioned the Howie test. We've mm-hmm. had um, an episode on on that, but can you maybe just walk us through what how someone knows whether a token is a security or not? Mm-hmm. So I mean, the Howie test, right? So refers to determining, for example, if a transaction qualifies as like an investment contract, right? And uh, but. It's uh, <laughs> it's tricky because basically everything, I mean, you invest in crypto because you uh, generally expect <laughs> some return on investment to internally, you expect some type of profit, right? Like if you're, if you're starting a project, if you're launching your crypto, of course you uh, expect to, to earn some all my investments some... basically, right? So yeah, I don't exactly. invest in anything where I don't expect a profit. Yeah, so that's why the the Howey test is quite tricky, right? Because it um, it looks at whether it's an invest of money, right? So basically, investing in crypto is investing money, right? So whether it is done uh, in a common enterprise, right? So for example, that can be seen as the DAO, and uh, do you expect profit? And whether um, whether you expect profit, that would be derived from efforts of others, right? So of a of a third party. So basically, what happens there is that, uh, like, when the regulators look at that, right? So they they do the how test at the cryptocurrencies, right, and understand, uh, like, probably, like, you know, what was the how big of the profit was right so what what was in, uh, what was the investment in and uh generally <clears throat> sorry <laughs> and uh generally what what was the what was the return what the uh, what the transactions were and so generally navigating the howie test and uh removing uh like moving the token away is um mm, is again like very very difficult and uh like to do but of course like there are some um like there are distinctions right so how like oh you know what are the additional utilities of the token right so whether um is it a governance token as well whether you're going to use it for the voting right so um whether you're gonna use the token right for some sort of like research like education then <clears throat> whether the token is um, is used to um, to support other initiatives like within the project within the community, right? So those are all some additional utilities that you can have within the token, which is real. I mean, which is reality, and um, those uh, those things can can um, can help. Um, actually can uh, can again like move away from from it being seen as a as a security but um it's uh i think that is something i mean i think like definitely like down the road how we test is something that will will have to be revisited in a sense that not every crypto is security but if you have a task that clarified classified as 
in generic crypto <laughs> security is not really um, is not really productive, right? And it's both generally with the coming regulations and everything that's happening, especially in the US, right? So the US is generally going really strong on, um, on uh, introducing crypto regulations. So I assume at some point how it has is also um, will have to be revisited in that, in that sense. So <clears throat> yeah, crypto is very US focused, right? But has there, have there been like other countries that have like in your opinion have good have have made good progress or good suggestions on how to know how to do this like is yeah, there like I mean, another country yeah I mean if you look at for example in the EU, in Europe right so many things are happening in Europe in terms of uh, in terms of regulations right so the UK, right, so regulate, regulating stable coins, right, like EU um, and Mika, right, so Mika, EU was actually the first one to bring some sort of like a unified uh, type of regulations um, when it comes to, when it comes to crypto. And uh, where else, I mean, <clears throat> sorry, like many other countries that are just having more of a um like more of an individual approach right because there is no like high le higher level regulations to to follow at least not i mean in the eu like many i mean countries will just have to follow the the micro regulations right like and adopt adopt it um like on their like on the locally so let me think what other um I mean, in South America, right? So you have individual countries that they brought their own uh, regulations in terms of Bitcoin, right? That DAOs, uh, digital assets in general. Um, if you look at UK, right? So regulatory stable coins, accepting NFTs. Um, and, um, let me think, yeah, we know, we know Dubai, uh, Korea, Thailand, India, right? So those are all countries that are focusing widely on on regulating cryptos. And more progressively than what the US has with its antiquated Howie test. Um, like, to be honest, like, um, I'm not sure, uh, I wouldn't comment on that. <laughs> I would not comment on that. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so maybe, Let's now move on to um, Waseo. Is that like, do I pronounce that correct? Um, yeah, Waseo. Okay. What does that stand for? Where does that come from? Actually, it's um, it was um, a, like a short name for to say like the initial intent of um, of Waseo, oh. like how it was founded, right? So Waseo came as a result of the events in 2017 um that had a goal to help regulate the the to actually to aid the regulations and compliance um in the market after the events um but then to be honest like when we kind of um when i joined last year like we changed the video approach and um and it's now just like Vasio, the name, the name stage, right? Yeah. So it just it doesn't have any. <laughs> it doesn't there have are many any such examples. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Okay. So can, like, can you maybe walk us through a couple of these aspects? Like, 
where you incorporate it? How, how does the, the DAO function? Um, and then maybe later, let's, let's also go into the token. What, if you have yeah, a role that plays. And also, um, you say you're a DAO and then you also say you have a team. So like, how, how does it work? How do you delineate between your community or like an inner mm-hmm. circle of say full-time staff? Do you have that? Um, and would you consider the outside um, legal advisors that you work with, would they be part of the DAO? Like, do they do do they have a dual role or are they really external just for interest? Because it's it's an interesting model, right? Like you're really interfacing with the traditional world while being a DAO. So how does that work? So, so the interaction with the traditional world happens with the nonprofit. And um, we're actually in the pre-launch phases of the token, which uh, is uh, legal and compliance reserve currency that aims to be multi-chain accepted payment and provision method for legal compliance, uh, onboarding and other needs of the DAO, oh, so for like of DAOs in general in the space, uh, blockchain-based projects in general. And um, in terms of the DAO, right, so we're, uh, since we're like in the pre-launch phases, right, so we didn't get didn't get to the point of um, ourselves um, being a DAO, but generally, um, like, the community, I mean, the series, I mean, generally what we do, we, everything we keep open source, right, like, and uh, when uh, there is audit that needs to be done on Vasya that is of course done by by a third third party service provider right <laughs> but um and generally when it comes to work right it's a it's a collaborative environment and of course like our our communities right are also law offices or or individual uh legal legal consultants and um we don't have like if we're referring to like a, some sort of like a conflict of interest or something, it's uh we don't have it because we're a nonprofit, right? So uh, we're rather an association connection hub where the, the two worlds can meet and actually they where they can collaborate and uh, help grow further because at the end of the road that's the goal of, of what we're doing. So we're not in that DAO, DAO stage yet, right? And um, I think it's, uh, to be honest, like I'm really looking forward to, to building out the, the Sia DAO, right? Because um, it's uh, like, it needs to be like an extremely decentralized environment, right? And um, to be also like a, be a fully compliant and, and decentralized, <laughs> decentralized yeah. environment that will have the role again to give the ability right to give the the payment ability for DAOs to access traditional world while being uh while being decentralized because after all um the having the co token and having those legal reserves would eliminate the need um to for fiat or stablecoin funds and what it also does in mitigates those risks of being deemed as a, as a centralized entity or taking on personal liabilities, right? Because every interaction with the traditional world, right, requires signing some sort of a contract, right? If you're paying in fiat. So either you sign it as a centralized entity 
or for the DAOs that do not have centralized entity, those contracts are signed by individuals. By signing the contract as an individual on behalf of the DAO, you're taking on all uh, liabilities on Liability, yeah. Which, yeah, which are unlimited, right? So, and uh, again, like having the token eliminates that because all their interaction is done via the seal where we where we are the ones um, being the provider for the DAO in fiat, but the, but the DAO is actually being us in our in our Vasio token. And uh, they can obtain the Vasio token by swapping their native token against ours. So how does the value of that um, swap, right? How does it work? So say we've got, uh, if one day we have a token or mm -hmm. when, <laughs> when we swap it with you guys how do we ascertain like uh, how many of our tokens are worth a wasio token and how do we know like the wasio token will hold its value say in two years time i'll need to pay for some legal advice and i want to use the wasio token how how does that work so you would get to you would get like to a shield up page and where you would input uh, the amount of money you wish to uh, you wish to use to buy the Vasio token in, you would have in fiat. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, in, uh, yes. When so you say you the amount of like, money, so yeah, so you would pay if you would put like how much, uh, like how much uh, of your tokens you uh, you want to put in, and the calculator okay. would tell you how much uh, how much of those your tokens uh, you would receive. Would that come like and, from uh, a bonding curve or a market mechanism? Yeah, so I mean, it's a, uh, it's where like we're pulling the the data, right? So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a live calculation that uh, that you can do, and uh, I mean, uh, like for your last question, I mean, like I cannot really predict the crypto market in two years, right? Like, and um, what's gonna happen? But the, our goal is to have a diversified set of DAO tokens and then initially we will go for for a raise that would actually allow us to have um, reserves in stable coins and later on we would do the IDO um, with a chain native token we'll probably do an, like an IDO on Ethereum and um, after after the IDO, right? So the goal, as I mentioned, is that to have like a diversified set of tokens, meaning that when the DAO, when if you, for example, if you swap your token against ours, you would get, of course, like the um, the appropriate uh, amount of the Vasio token, and we would take your DAO token and add it to the reserves. Um, like there is no selling pressure on our side from the on your on your DAO token as the goal for us is to keep it and having that diversified set of reserves would help us maintain the price and we have like also deflationary mechanism in place to um to keep the price and um and the monetary policy in place that um that helps us safeguard safe uh, hold the token value but like i mean most of since your token is not a stable coin, it's going to be more of a volatility driven token, right? So it underlies volatility. So it would, it would have volatility. So if I pay, let's say I want some services from you guys, um, yeah. I'll pay a thousand dollars for that and I'll get one token for it. And then if at 
at a later stage, then can I still buy the same service for that one token, regardless of what the the fiat price of your token does? Uh, yeah, I guess a, another way to phrase it, right? For the way I was thinking about it was, are you going to fix your services at a certain Wasio token rate? Or were the, were the services rendered always, um, you know, like maybe today this service would cost 100 tokens, tomorrow maybe 50, the day after maybe 75, depending on the price of the trade that was your token, that the was your token trades at. Is that how it will work? To fiat, yeah. And so, for or, example... Yeah, um, yeah, to fiat, yeah. Yeah, so the fact is that the service providers, right, that would provide services to the DAO, for example, to you, right, as a DAO, they would, uh, they would uh, send invoice in fiat, right? So the price, uh, so the invoice is determined in fiat. So those are not to say like in-house Vasio prices that can I see, be, I see. Uh, that, that can be determined uh, by the Vasio token, right? So what we do, we, uh, we give, we enable DAOs to remain to remain decentralized, use their native token for actually accessing, basically using their native token for accessing traditional world services, right? But whether but the prices of the service providers is not something that we decide, right? So it's really much dependent on the on the service provider, on the service itself, and on the on the jurisdiction. So you're kind Which of this proxy. Yeah, exactly. So we so, are the legal so, proxy. Mm -hmm. uh, Flo, so I, I don't know how you're thinking about it. Me and Flo are like, you know, fighting to like try and ask you questions. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would think, I don't know, Flo, would you be on the same page as I, right? Like uh, that w w the dynamic would then be that we would only swap out, uh, swap out tokens for what's your tokens when we need it right because holding on to it for the long term would pose some sort of a volatility risk would that be what you're thinking as well like and i don't know how wasio thinks about that like if in the end is it fine that people only swap their tokens for wasio tokens as and when they need your services or are you hoping that they would do that and hold wasio tokens for the long term I mean, the idea is to actually form those legal reserves, right, as a way to um, be in a way insured, right, that, for example, at any time you have the access to, to legal and compliance support. Because like what would happen, like the moment um, a DAO swaps, uh, goes through a shield up event, right, so what happens is that we automatically become the legal representative of the DAO, meaning that at the same time, the DAO actually gets um, in-house in -house legal, right? It gets legal protection and it gets uh, legal representation. Um, and where we, uh, where we initial step working with any DAO is um, understand doing the, that assessment because it helps us understand like what our potential risks of the DAO, and then we work out the plan on how to mitigate those risks. Of course, like the DAOs can do the swap at the moment, just at the moment they need that, right? But there is also like, you know, something you also get by being um, by being a holder, right? And the fact is that uh, crypto market is, is volatile by nature, right? So, it, so you know, 
uh, the token, the markets changes fast, right? So I think like, you know, but just by even having your own token is a risk on its own, right? Like in investing further, investing in anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. is, is a risk, right? So I wouldn't really single out like you know having with you token might be risky for you because the market is volatile i mean the market is such yeah the, the DAO token might might be even more volatile than the wasio one right because the wasio one would be i guess from the sound of it would be definitely more diversified yeah um, exactly that's why like that's why it's the goal like to have diversified set of, of different DAO tokens right because it would it would help the price right and again like we have mechanisms in place that would actually help preserve the price of the token because uh like <laughs> i mean our like our role is is to help guide and support right and uh the like with how we build the tokenomics has the has the same function and has the same role right so we would take necessary steps in order to protect the value of the token because after all after all based on that like depends the the value of the legal reserves that all has and when do you think this uh shields up right when does that when when does that go live when do DAOs is it live already can DAOs take part now or um, actually, we are like in pre-launch phases now. We are going for like uh, for a raise, and then uh, we will do a logo for an idea, and then those, and then generally for and for the community and uh, yeah. But there is like a waiting list now that that's can join in. Any general rough uh, timeline you guys are looking at? Um, not really, to be honest. No, I think like, you know, in a month or something, I would say. Okay, okay. So relatively soon. Yeah, I mean, we have everything built out. Like we have white paper, we have tokenomics, we have smart contracts done now. We are in the final uh, testing phases and it's like we'll now need to do the audit as well. So we're basically ready oh. to, to go live. Super cool. Sorry, Flo, your turn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, <clears throat> I'm, there's one thing that you mentioned earlier that I kind of wanted to um, dive into a little bit, and that was yeah. the decentralization, right? Mm -hmm. So currently, I assume mm -hmm. you're you're a foundation, right? So you're an employee. There's some sort of CEO in this thing, or maybe not a CEO, but somebody who who leads it or manages it. What's that pathway towards decentralization look like? Uh, you mean like... Um sorry like if you just can if you can just clarify in terms of like the ceo for where or like the wasio nonprofit or the the token no yeah for the wasio um nonprofit, i assume that that's what mm -hmm. you're working for at the moment and then earlier i that's how i understood okay. you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah, like, that you um, had this pathway to decentralizing to becoming like a decentralized dao at some point um yeah so i'm always interested how that journey looks like right i've um one famous example I know of is Shapeshift and they've really moved or are still on that journey, but they were like this corporation in the US. And then at some point, mm -hmm. I think last year, they said like, okay, we're shutting this thing down. Everybody gets paid out. We're down now, right? And um, so they're, I think they're still on this mm -hmm. pathway, but they're um, disassembled their their corporation and turned into a DAO. So how, mm -hmm. how are you doing that? 
So the nonprofit is a standalone organization, right? And it has its its mission statement and its purpose. While the Vasu token is more of a product of you know of experiences that we had that we have had dealing with DAOs and many of the challenges that we actually experienced working with DAOs. It was uh, quite common to get a question from DAO, can we pay you in eighty tokens, right? Because we just don't have money, right? I mean, many DAOs just don't have like, you know, funds in their in stable coins or, or fiat. And uh, of course, like, you know, due, depending on like, you know, due to the maturity and the age of the DAO, it was just not possible to accept, uh, accept those payments because at the end of the road, we have to pay service providers in, in fiat money. Right, so having the SEER token in place is actually uh, like giving the tool to the community to uh, to get the access to centralized world while maintaining, while staying decentralized. And generally as any project, right? Like, yeah, correct. Like the, the token the, the token project is quite uh, like centralized at this point, like on me and um, a, few of a few other team members. But as we as we go right, and as uh, as the community grows, like decentralization will happen. That um, like the generally like the of course like the, the the voting power, the the making decisions, right? Because uh, the making decisions and uh, generally the whole structure of the organization will be built in a sense that it's a decentralized type of environment where the where the community of where the community of DAOs is actually the one um, making decisions and uh, making decisions that are related to the to the project, to what we're doing and to the support we're giving to the environment. And also the decentralized framework, right, will also uh, will also entail like the like I mean <laughs> the the community role, right? The, the decisions that are to be made, like the policies that are going to put in place. Um, like, don't forget, like, we'll have also like a community of lawyers and like, you know, general, like legal and other experts that will, uh, will that will have their say in uh, working on, on stuff that are probably related to regulations, right? Because our goal is not only, okay, so these are the best, this, these are the best practices, right? So this is how we can help you be compliant according to that. I mean, our goal is also to aid, right, to get involved in educating in terms of regulations and also working with the regulators in terms of, of bringing the regulations to the environment. The fact is that um, the compliance is something like legal and compliance side of the industry is going to happen, right? So it's a fact, right? But the question is whether how favorable those regulations are going to be. And I believe it's on the when the DeFi community as a whole is to actually the one to educate and work and collaborate when it comes to bringing those regulations. Mm, since uh, yeah, after all, we're going to be the ones that have to follow um, to follow those uh, yeah. those laws, right? So um, at this point, like the the project, it seems that it's very early stages to understand the the, the community and the and the path that the DAO is gonna take. 
especially since uh, those that is something that will be decided mostly by the community, not not by myself and and a few other people, right? So I might be able to give you a better answer to these questions, like in like you know in six months from now <laughs> or something yeah, yeah. when we have lunch and um. Because it's a tough journey, yeah. and you don't mm -hmm. know how it's going to evolve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every DAO is different, right? Like we have we have a very we're in a very specific niche, right? That we have very specific purpose, and that's legal and you know legal and compliance to support and um, in the in the nonprofit, right? So that I lead, right? So we have very clear goal. We have a cause, and that is something that. It, it does operate as a, as a centralized entity for the fact that it is, and it has, and it was established as a centralized entity so it can do what it does. While the DAO is uh, to say like an on-chain on, on extension of what we do, and it's there to um, like to build the community around um, what we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have that community extension to the foundation that you have already, right? yeah yeah okay really interesting um do have we missed anything that you kind of want to mention that we haven't touched upon that waseo does um or that you you guys are excited about well i mean i'm personally excited about like a small project that we are working on um, it is around um, like uh, more the bridging the gender gap in the environment. So we are launching a program, uh, like a project that aims to um, that aims to bring more women to Web three by educating them on the environment with a focus on female legal professionals across the globe. Because like uh, when um, you know um, there are many, there are not many you know. To say like Web three focused lawyers, and uh, I think like around ninety nine percent of them are actually men. <laughs> and uh, our goal. Why do you think that's to, the case? <laughs> like honestly, I would love to know. <laughs> like yeah, generally, ninety nine percent is massive. It must be something. I either know, something it's... really pulling the guys a lot stronger, or something really blocking I... the girls a lot stronger, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a, like, that's a very fair question, right? Like, if you look at the, just like, you know, the crypto lens, I mean, blockchain landscape, when it comes to female involvement, you have around 4.13 crypto, female crypto founders, right? Around 16% investors, and around like less than 5% of female artists are involved in MFT sales, for example. So the percentage is very low. And I think like in this year, only 2% of female, uh, like female founders in Web3 space actually received VC funding. And so the numbers are extremely low, despite the, you know, despite the hyper growth industry in the past two years. And the, generally, I think that uh, there is a huge uh, gap. Like if you look at the tech industry as a whole, right? So there is a gap when it comes to um, like women uh, and men involvement, right? And when you kind of like narrow it down to blockchain, right? So the numbers get even smaller. Then you go to legal tech, right? Then the numbers get even smaller. And when you go to Such even like niche, web yeah. three lawyers, right? So it, exactly, right? It's a very specific niche, right? Like in the 
the general number is quite high, quite low. And uh, when you look at the, the gender difference, it's just, I think it's around like, yeah, it's around like 1% or even less. Why that happens um, is uh, like in the tech industry, blockchain industry, there are several factors that actually do um, uh, affect like whether like where whether women are involved or not. And that is generally like either the retention gap, the the workplace culture, right? So I'm talking like on a high level, like in tech, in tech companies, then uh, generally like the, the education difference, right? Like between women uh, and men, and um, when it when you go when you move to blockchain right what is usually happening is that uh women get less exposure to web3 and because like uh then like if you look at like banking finance right so those are like more or less male dominated industries right like combined with the tech in a sense it comes as a logical that the female representation is really low what also happens is facts like there is like a gender discrimination towards women and uh i know many don't see it as existing but it's a fact right so i mean i was at the panel at the conference and the guy you know from from the audience like stood up and asked like but i don't understand like what values can a, what values can a woman bring right <laughs> i know like <laughs> no way really somebody like, said that Crazy. yeah i mean it's like it's it's on tape right like and i'm yeah. like yeah <laughs> like did you, did you just ask like, that yeah. <laughs> yeah i literally did that right like and um and then like uh i mean it happened to me and like and i mean it happened for example to to a friend of mine right she she's like in product like feel deep and she just she was told well you're not you're not a, a fat white man right what what the hell are you doing here and stuff like that right like and uh those things happen and they happen more than often like my friend well, another friend she's a developer right and she was so like okay well i think you just come to interviews right like all, all developers are want are going to want to have coffee with you if they think if they don't they're gay so, right and you cannot hear something like that like towards men right like come, come and look hot like i'm sure we're going to get that LinkedIn. <laughs> So no, I think the reason we have so much success is because Flo looks so good on camera. I think. Oh, okay. It's a filter. <laughs> it's a filter. It's really simple. So, no, but I it's mean... a really interesting topic because I was super surprised, right? When I looked on your website that you had um, a lady there that I, I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, but it was to do with uh, women in Web3 or something. And I was thinking, mm -hmm. oh, for such a new industry where everybody's just trying to build i would be surprised right that there would already be obstacles in place you know so yeah it's, yeah unfortunately there are unfortunately there are i mean if you like just look like the existing stats right it's just kind of sad how many like you know like you know the lack of women involved again it has to do a lot with the access to the information it has to do a lot with the with the education in general and it depends also a lot like on how people are brought up right and um those are like those are of course like all the important factors among many others so our goal is to actually like offer free education to to women around like on web three 
um, like from the very basics and then to move into more you know, into our niche, which are, which are like legal regulations and compliance. And with that also educate more lawyers on the environment because that is something that is definitely gonna be needed since there are not many um, legal experts that understand the environment quite well. Of course, like you have many amazing lawyers that do know that, you know, SEC, like SEC requirements, right? Crypto regulation stuff. But the question is how well do they understand the decentralized industry? How well do they understand like how DAOs work? How could they, how web community works? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So our goal is to kind of, uh, to, to educate like you have to bring in like legal professionals and really educate them on the environment and the decentralized industry from the from the inside and with that basically have more have more women involved and have more more legal people involved in the in the industry the idea is also to create like networking and building opportunities for more women again like to make them stay because after all um like the retention is is going to be like a really key component of of success like you know when it comes to the projects and uh, the initiative and i think also generally the environment right so the environment needs women <laughs> so, I mean, so maybe yeah of course um and i guess Next time somebody asks you that question, you can just tell that person that, yeah, the value you bring would be, you know, to be a trailblazer and you can bring, you know, the obstacles in place and you can bring, bring more ladies into this space, right? Because you know yeah. how it feels like and you see, yeah, the, 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 the impediments and you also see the issues with maybe why, maybe for some reason guys are just more excited about it i don't know you know there's also the push it's not only the, the the blocking right maybe there's also a pull factor that's different that we don't it's hard to understand yeah true i mean like i mean for example i mean gamers are mostly men right like and many gamers move to, but why to <laughs> that's also interesting i don't know, why? I don't know. like i i don't know if i look with my like my male friends and my female friends like I have some fun a lot more gamer like you know male friends right I don't think I have like one uh female friend like who for example plays games like I haven't played games <laughs> I don't See, know yeah. I think it's like you know I think it's um I mean it has definitely to do something like you know with bringing up as well and with the interests Right, like, and um, generally when I assume like when you're kind of like, you know, in one type of industry, right, you keep exploring it further. And um, mm. generally I think like, you know, uh, uh, like society views women and men differently. And according to that also, you know, you get the, you get the uh, like bringing up from your, from your parents, right? So. I know I was like, you know, they really tried to raise me as a girl, girl, right? But they really failed, right? Did but, they, you they know. failed? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the ones they try hardest on when it fails. Right? Yeah, and like, you know, I was like, I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fact, right? Like, and I mean, I meet moved to to tech industry, and uh, in my tech startups, to be honest, like it was really female dominated environment. I cannot say, 
but when I came to block, like, you know, to blockchain industry, I was like, oh, hell no, right? Like, there was like no women. I went to the LLR Summit, right? It was like, honestly, like a real sausage party. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> Actually, no, I did this. <laughs> Did no, honestly, there were, I did. Like, there were like. What's a sausage party? Can we define this? <laughs> <laughs> like two thousand men and five girls. That's that's well, not good, right? But if you take Literally. the cross section of finance and tech, <laughs> yeah, get, sort of, exactly, right? right? But that's why you need to to bring more women. That's why you need to give them education on that, right? On that cross section, tell them like this environment is amazing, right? Like so many great things you can do here, you know, and uh, like wouldn't you, right? But I think women feel a lot discouraged. Like why I think that is like, I, I kind of quite, quite frequently give this example. So I was looking for some sort of like, uh, um, like help with, with some organizational stuff within the org, right? So it clear, clearly stated we are DAO, focus, nonprofit, no, 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 right? So I got around like 70 candidates or something. And out of them, I had like 15 women, right? So the rest were men. And I was like, hmm. And none of those women were actually in, a, in any of the similar niches that we would, that we would need, right? So I wanted to kind of like play a bit with it. So I reposted that, the same ad. I just added the sentence that advantage is given to women as our goal is to empower more women to move to Web3. So with that, I had 50, 55 candidates, uh, which like two, uh, less than 20 were men, right? Oh, yeah. So that sentence actually changed the amount of women that applied for the role. And um, it happens quite often that women are just don't feel that they can find themselves in the tech industry, again, because it's male dominated. And uh, I mean, it's no one's fault, it's male dominated, it just is. But the fact is that there needs to be more education and more support towards women to get involved and actually stay in the, in the industry. The fact is that, um, that the fact is that when you have like a very male dominated like culture and workplace with a bro culture, <laughs> like it's it's different, right? Like it gets harder to retain women, especially because there is also the pay gap, right? So it's a fact that in many, many places, women are paid less for the same job men do. And um, generally I think like the culture and, and the mindset around like having women in workplaces and having women in tech industry is, has, to, has to change. Uh, like honestly like I'm not someone that uh you know I hate when someone says like oh women are better than men or the way around like that's complete bs right that's uh what depends on like who's better than who depends on the skills and knowledge expertise one has right but what matters is to actually create an environment well, where the woman feels safe and empowered and it's okay for you to be here, right? So you're not going to be looked at someone who is of, of, you know, of less value or someone who might not have any value to bring to the, to the company, as this guy said, right? So I'm generally, generally creating like a more uh, women-friendly environment 
is what gonna it is what's gonna aid having more women involved and wanting to to get involved. So um, the reasons behind it again, like the lack of like, you know education, lack of access, um, and the the retention gap, uh, the that like workplace culture are things that are just important to change and so others feel enabled to to come and say so that's what a this this project that you're working on part of what ceo is is focusing on yeah yeah so our focus is to uh, to give like to give free like access to free education on web3 and mm-hmm. the generally introduce them to web3 and introduced to network of other women that are already working in space, but also of course like to men and to create like um, networking job opportunities because it gets a lot easier to land the job Web3 if you if you understand what Web3 is about, right? Then actually to introduce Web3- Like with any other job. Some, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, but like exactly, right? But those women do not have that that yeah. those abilities right like and uh, we generally uh, intend to target uh, regions that have, have, have probably had less opportunities to get that education such as like Africa, Muslim women, um, Balkans, uh, South America, and South Asia so those are some of the regions that we would be that we'll be focusing on um, for the for the project. Yeah really cool. Maybe we can uh, we can link to that. We can link to that project mm-hmm. sure. in the show notes for all the women. I don't know. I mean, you probably have really bad luck with our YouTube channel because I recently checked. It's like I think ninety three percent male listeners to the our YouTube videos. <laughs> so, no, I uh, think like men should be about, involved uh, in the talks right like, Flo, I, like was, I think yeah sorry i just wanted to jump in because i realized that um youtube in general right has a much larger skew towards male viewers right yeah yeah and and that's also something that a lot of people are trying to figure out right like you're showing videos why why is it that more like as a percentage <laughs> there are more guys watching youtube than than ladies right um no <laughs> it's a it's a like I can't watch like you know like you know that those like those long videos it just doesn't give my it just doesn't grab my attention right like I could be there are like so many other you know productive things I could be doing while you know during the you know duration of that video like yeah reels are the length of the videos I can handle right and I know like many of my female friends feel the same way right like you know, when you receive like a link to a 15 minute long video, like hell, I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm almost oh. the opposite. I'm like, oh man, this thing's only four minutes. There's no point. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It'll be gone we need no to make time. shorter videos, Flo. We need to make shorter videos <laughs> and we'll capture all the ladies. Yeah, I mean, like Anya has been saying we should do TikTok, so maybe we should. <laughs> yeah, maybe TikTok's the like, way. They're really short. Yeah, like, format. yeah, I mean, it's just like, like if videos last for 15, 20 minutes, you know how many things I can do during those 15, 20 minutes and just like, you're <laughs> saying the video doesn't have any value? You know, no, I'm not saying it doesn't. Prioritize. 
Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't have any value, far from it, right? But I would just rather read. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, so yeah. just like you know, I would like you know, reading it taking like you know, shorter amount of time, right? So and I could do other other things after, right? But just like staring at something for like 20 minutes. Um like even if I watched like some YouTube videos that are related to DAOs, like decentralization and stuff, like things I like, right? So I have to chop it up <laughs> because yeah. like even though the topic is extremely interesting mm -hmm. to me, it's just like, you know, I could be doing so many other things, right? Like, you know, while watching that video. So I would just rather go and read something online in that, on that topic. Yeah. Now I know, now I know why I'm so unproductive, man. I just figured it out. Oh, <laughs> wow. Watching videos. All Thanks, Alexa. Long. You've changed my life. <laughs> From now on. No more YouTube. Now, but um, how many guests have we had on the show, Flo? In, in so far is alexa number how three? many women how many women did you oh, have first. Here, huh? yeah oh, oh yeah you're okay. first but i think like one out of in in the crypto space you're like yeah in the crypto space you're like one in a million but for tokenomics our podcast you're one out of four so our ratio is like yeah, way better it's, it's really good yeah we've got like 25 percent women yeah man and uh alexa you want to come on next week <laughs> <laughs> i can talk to a friend right like <laughs> so you, you go, should yeah. be up for it so yeah, you so can with, with up your really stats <laughs> yeah i can no, help but, you up uh, your stats <laughs> honestly like if there's anyone that um you think of that can that has something interesting to say please right always always open Sure. yeah yeah okay. cool and help you help your uh, help up your stats of women involved <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah always interested in that yeah <laughs> cool anything else we want to we want to mention um i think like we put all the links to the things that you mentioned maybe you can just send us mm -hmm. that and we'll put it in yeah, the show we'll notes um yeah sure we'll do that any final thoughts you want to bring up no are are you gonna make reels out of this so my female friends can also watch <laughs> <laughs> good idea man maybe that's yeah, just something sure. we have to look at yeah actually yeah we should get the head of tiktok um <laughs> going to yeah, turn it into like tiny little clips <laughs> You don't know, no, right? I've got no idea. Yeah, but, uh, might, we also might, write, might right? Work. You can check out your, our yeah. Substack. So, uh, okay, there's lots of articles <laughs> out there that you can read if you prefer that. Um, but hey, yeah, but this was, but this is quite interesting, right? Like one one woman to men and like watching YouTube videos, right? Like you know, so funny, like easy example of the how differently you know we yeah we do see things, right? It's and the gaming, yeah. right? Like, are you guys into games? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Awesome. Yeah. Like, I think I, I played like two or three games in my life. One being Sims, the other being Mortal Kombat, and third one being for speed. Whoa, she likes fast cars. She likes to smash people up. And then she, <laughs> which Sims are you talking about? The one that where you keep the house real Good nice houses. and tidy? 
yeah like you know like you build big houses stuff right so the building aspect yeah yes exactly yeah. <laughs> i had huge neighborhoods and big huge houses and then i would just like drown everyone whoa jeez Should we? <laughs> Well, this this podcast is taking like a really deep dark turn. Yeah, <laughs> Towards the yeah end, but that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, so you yeah. really got to watch more than four minutes of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So, um, should we call it um, a day? I I would love to hear back from you once the tokens launched and. Uh, you feel like you want to give us an update we'd love to hear yeah, how sure. the, the the swaps are working and how many how many DAOs you're working with how the shield up program's going how your yeah, tokenomics sure. panned out once once it was launched is also something we're also really interested in okay yeah. cool sounds good okay great hey, so thanks for coming on yeah it was great it was my pleasure thank you for having me here this podcast was not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly educational and is not investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice. Talk to your accountant, do your own research. None of this is legal advice. This podcast is strictly educational. Talk to your lawyer.